0: Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. We just just want to adore you, Lord. In the midst of what has been happening for over a year now, we actually look back and think, if we did not know you, where would we be? What would be the state of our mind? Would have? Would we have come through this pandemic without loss? And if we had faced loss, would we have been able to handle it without going into despair? And we see tens, thousands dying all around and dying without hope. Yet you came to give us hope. We just want to thank you, Father, for that living hope. That you begot us to a living hope. And that hope is so clear to us because you are here in us and with us now. You're not far away. You are here, right here with us. So we just want to worship you. We just want to welcome you into our midst, Lord. Even as, we, as I preach your word, I pray you would minister to us. You would take those words and impress it upon the ears and the hearts and the minds of your people. Because without you, we may misunderstand your word. We may misinterpret your word. But when you speak, there is clarity. And there is healing. There is deliverance. There is power released into the lives of everyone who believes. So speak to us today. Teach us every time we listen to the word, I pray, we will lean onto the anointing. For the anointing teaches all things. Teach us, speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So once in a while, I'll put this off. So text for this morning is from First Timothy chapter six, and verses six to eight. Now. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Okay? Let God's word be magnified. Because we are living in an atmosphere like never seen. I'm not talking about the COVID alone of that fear. More than that, a universal atmosphere of anger and frustration, despair, and depression. It's basically a climate of discontent. It's a climate of discontent. So discontent. Climate of discontent. Everywhere you look, whether the COVID was there or not, there are not or before it came and after it came it's only become worse it's a climate of discontent both within the church and outside the church i'm not talking this is exclusively to pagans christians seem to be more discontent than than non-christians there is contentment there is what is called discontentment then there is what is called leads to resentment you look around, nobody seems to be happy. We seem to be discontented with everything. We are discontented with our co- color. We are discontented with our height. We <laughs> are discontented with our weight. We are discontented with our homes, with our marriages. Whether we have children or whether we don't have children. With our jobs, with our career. We are discontented with the c- color of our skin, our race discontent with our sexuality and gender also there seems to be nothing mankind is content anymore it's a universal atmosphere of discontentment yet if you look at verse 8 God says if we have food and clothing we shall be with these we shall be content and that's one of our testimonies everybody' sitting here everybody Probably everybody can say, I cannot remember one day in my life. Okay? When I was naked and hungry. Except when you were just born. You were naked and hungry. After that, you were taken care of immediately. Right? You were taken care of. Whether your mother was willing or not, not the nurse came and said, feed. Wrapped you in swaddling clothes and said, feed. And from there till today, nobody can say, God has not been faithful. It's not been faithful. So the simple question is for us Christians, Bible-believing Christians, are we content? We should be discontent about certain things, the spiritual things. On the other hand, we are absolutely content about our spirituality and discontented about everything else. You're content with your prayer life? Very content. You're content with your word life? Very content. All the things of the kingdom of God, we seem to be absolutely We don't waste any sleep over it. But when it comes to the things of this temporary passing, perishing world, we are very discontent. And we have to deal with this. It's a major, when we get more into this, into this message, you will understand how serious this situation is. Don't take it lightly. Okay? Because what Bible says, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. What's the writer Paul actually, in a way, referring to? He's referring to the first generation that came out. You know, for 40 years, God fed them and clothed them. And they were totally discontent. And because of that, nobody entered into the promised land. Simply because they were discontent. Though if you ask them, do you have any reason to be discontent? Are you hungry? No. Are you ill? No. Are you weak? No. Are you clothed? No. Yes. How about feet? Fine. Good sandals. You have protection? Yes. Do you have light in the night? Yes. Do the Gentiles have light in the night? No. Do you have cloud cover? Yes. Why are you discontent? But if you looked at them, they were only discontent. And because they were discontent, which led to other things, Amen. God caused them to die in the desert. So discontentment is not a small thing. It's a very, very serious thing in the kingdom of God, so listen carefully, okay? And Paul, the writer, the great apostle Paul, his personal testimony is in Philippians 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now understand, understand this. He's not saying, I have, I know in whatever state I am to be content. He's not saying that. He says, I have learned. This doesn't come automatically. Doesn't come. Even It didn't come to him also automatically. Everybody has to learn to be content in whatever state you are. If you're a bachelor, be content. If you're married, be content. If you're married with children, be content. Married without children, be content. If you have a job, be content. If you don't have a job, be content and look for one. Don't be discontent because it blocks the power of God. Because contentment is not attached to things. That's what he's talking about. And where is he writing from? From prison. In chains. So he says, in prison, I know how to be content. He says, I know how to abound and to abase. He says, I know how to be content when I had plenty. I know how to be content when I had nothing. In any state, and every state. This is the great apostle. And what is he saying? He is saying that I learned it. This does not come to anyone naturally. Because we are born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and we come out of our mother's womb complaining. She has gone through 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 18 hours of labor, is writhing in pain. I don't care. I am hungry. That's the attitude which we come into this world. Okay. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and come out discontent. So, contentment is not our natural affinity. The old man's natural affinity is discontentment. So, when you are born again, born of God, born by His Spirit... One of the things we have to learn, and learn from the word of God, learn through the spirit of God, learn from the great men and women of God in the Bible is the secret of contentment. How do I be content in every situation? Like I said, it does not come easily or quickly. It has to be learned. In the world, or the world we live in, Abigail, is a bubble you like bubbles, no? When you're little, little, you still do that bubbles? soap bubbles, yeah. In the world we live in, it's like that soap bubble. Okay, next time you blow a bubble, remember, this world is like that. It is an illusion. And the world thinks, if I have more, I will be content. Okay. If I have more, I will be content. Mm-hmm? Ambani is not content because right behind him is Adani. Adani is not content because right ahead of him is Ambani. And if Adani overtakes Ambani, he has to build a house which is 36 floors. I mean, this is how it works. It's somebody who said, when will you be content when I have a little more? Listen to the most discontent man probably in human history. Ecclesiastic 510. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. Nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Okay. This is the discontent 4.0. This man, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what more he could have. You ask in what is he poor in nothing. Even in wives and concubines, he is the richest. Still, he is the most discontented man. Okay? <laughs> the more you long, the more you desire, you actually lose your joy. Actually lose your contentment. Okay? If you don't understand, if you don't, we don't learn the secret of being content. In Hebrews thirteen five, the writer of Hebrews gives one of the secrets of contentment. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." When will we be content? When we are content in god okay the statement i don't know who made it the statement is that if you are not content with god you will be never content with anything it doesn't matter what you have and how much you have if you are not content with god you will never be content with anything on the other side if you are content with god Then it does not matter how much you have or how little you have. That's how life works. So we are not looking at contentment today. We are looking at discontentment today. Okay? Primarily first, we are looking at discontentment. Because contentment is found in a person. It is not. One of the reasons for God says, God does not say, do not go into the world. He doesn't say that. He says, go into the world. Don't buy things. He doesn't say that. He says you do not love the world or the things in the world because automatically discontentment comes. Okay. Discontentment comes. Because if you love the world and the things of the world, the problem is it is a trap. You have to keep going. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. You buy, it get into a trap. You have to keep buying. The problem is you think, next shopping I will be content. Hmm? Okay. Now have you noticed the, the nature of things? How short-lived the joy is? Hmm? Dimin- very dimin- diminishing returns? Hmm? Let's, let's, talk about, uh, let's, look, let's talk about our dear sisters over here. You buy a dress. How long does the joy last? Okay, there is joy when you buy it there is joy when you wear it, but if nobody notices (laughs) it is a new dress and compliment you on it, joy is gone. Right? How long does it last? Oh, men. Let's leave the ladies men. Men are not interested in clothes. They're interested in toys. (laughs) Toys. (laughs) Bikes. Have you noticed when they buy a new car or a bike? Oh, they're washing and polishing. (laughs) You go out and look at the bikes now outside. Hmm? Most of them look as if they came from Rajasthan through the desert. They were hit by a desert storm. How long did it last? Yet it doesn't stop and that and the world knows it the world system knows it they keep on changing the model upgrade 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 bring your old one take the new one discount will offer okay right value all kind of things and we fall for it hmm? Hmm? i wish somebody had a sale where they said bring your old clothes we'll give you know. <laughs> i would go for that but nobody is offering that <laughs> okay nobody is offering that but maybe you should start one Okay, so in this atmosphere in which we live, so much discontentment, discouragement, despair, depression, and then rage. Okay, rage. God is asking us, His people, to manifest a completely different spirit. A spirit of contentment in the midst of death. we talk about when darkness comes upon the whole earth, his light will. It's not talking about this light. It's very visible. No? All the pagans are walking in darkness and there is this light shining on our head. Oh, that's a believer, that's an unbeliever. That's what he's talking about. It is about how we conduct ourselves in this world. When there is a discontentment in crossing the entire world, people are discontent about everything. You name there is discontent attached to it. And he says, you will be a set of people who are absolutely content. Content. And the early church was like that. Most of the people in the early church were very poor. Very poor. But if you look at their joy and their contentment, everybody used to stare at them because they were known as a people of joy and a people who loved each other. One of the main things is that when you are discontent, you cannot love people. It's, what, it's one of the most important fallouts of being discontent. When you are discontent, you are not able to really love anybody. And that is the entire law and the prophets, the entire gospel, the entire kingdom of God hangs on those that two laws, love God and love your neighbor. How can you love when you've got this spirit of discontentment inside you? Okay. So we are supposed to manifest a completely different spirit. In other words, we are the green patch, the oasis in the desert. We are the content among the covetous. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content. In the world, the spirit of covetousness rules the world. We are the ones who are content. We are the rested among the restless. We are contented. Absolutely in. We have the spirit of contentment even in the midst of the COVID. Because COVID was an eye-opener. Last year especially. An eye-opener. The lockdown brought out so many things out really brought out so many things out. People went to depression, to suicide, marriages, broke down. Everything was revealed by the lockdown. Everybody who thought I was happy and contented when they were locked on in four walls of a room and not allowed to go out, things started coming out. That's when people realized, you know what, I'm not what I am. I am not, I am not. And God allowed it. God allowed it to show, you know. If you are finding contentment in all these things, when it is taken out, you realize this is what you are. You are empty. So today we will diagnose the disease, the deadly disease of discontentment. I am talking to you from the word of God. It is a deadly disease, meaning it is a disease that leads to death. There are certain sins in the Bible that says that leads to death, eternal death. One of the most deadly diseases that leads to eternal death is the disease of discontentment. Okay? Turn with me to Jude. It's only one chapter, verses 14 and 15. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with tens and thousands of his saints. Everybody is waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay? What is he coming for? To execute judgment on all. What is he coming for? Judgment on all. To convict all who are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I think it's the only words in the Bible where four times the same word is used. Ungodly, 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 ungodly. What is Christ coming back for? To judge the ungodly. Who is he going to un- judge? The murderers. The rapists. The adulterers. No. We look at as big things. Look at the next verse, verse 16. These are grumblers. Mm-hmm. Complainers. Walking according to their own lusts. The mouth great, swelling words. Flattering people to gain advantage. Let's go to ESV. Then you will understand. Jude 1.16 in ESV. These are grumblers. Ah, the discontent. He's coming with tens and thousands of his saints to judge the discontented. and They are the ones who grumble. That's what I said. It's not a small thing. It's a deadly disease. Deadly dis- discontentment leads actually to a whole lot of other things. So God is saying, go to the root. Don't look at the fruit. Go to the root. Yes. Deal with the root. If you deal with the root, you can deal with the other issues. If you're going to just trim the branches, nothing is going to change. It will come back next season it will come back. For a season you will think I am an overcomer, and little season you will realize nothing has changed because you did not deal with the disease. You only dealt with the symptoms. You did not deal with the root, therefore the fruit is not changing. And what is the root? The root is discontentment. Malcontents. People are discontented. First Corinthians ten, verses ten and eleven. Nor complain. Complainers, mamadras, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So is there in the Bible, the destroyer destroyed whom? Those who? Why were they complaining? Because they were discontent. Should they be really be discontent? No. Do you know where you came from? Yes. Do you know where you are? Yes. Do you know where you are going? Yes. Are you hungry? No. Are you weak? No. Are you ill? No. What's your problem? You are not content. And they were destroyed by the destroyer. What does the Bible say in verse 11? All these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of ages have come. And if you are somewhere listening and you are discontent, don't switch off. Just listen. God will deliver you. Because what's happened to a discontent spirit, whenever they hear something that doesn't content them, they switch off. Fight it. Fight it. Malcontent, yes, we say. Discontent. Jesus is coming to judge. That's why we said we have to look at the root to identify what causes all this. Because so many sins are visible. Very visible. Oh, he's a liar. He's a thief. All these things. This woman caught in adultery. Murderer. visible. What cost many of these things? What costs the discontent? What caused the murmuring and the complaining? Like I said, the axe has to be laid on the root. Deep inside, the malcontent person or the discontented person, deep inside is very unhappy. Nothing pleases him or her. They bear a grudge from a sense of grievance. I deserved better. Something in their life, or many things in their life never come to pass. It piles on. In simple words, I did not get what I wanted. I am not happy. Or this is not what I wanted. I am not happy. It could be a thing or a spouse. This is not what I want. When I said I do, this is not what I said I do for. Discontentment. Can be with you something that you invest in a thing or can be with a person, your own spouse. can be anything. Like I said, can be your home, marriage, your children, your job, your positions. Look at others and you start thinking, why is it not happening to me? You are dissatisfied with life. The problem is you are not able to enjoy what you have. What you really have. Therefore, you are discontent over what you do not have. Side note, hell is absolutely full of discontented people. Not a single person is in hell or will go to hell who is not discontented. And one of the major sins that take people to hell is discontentment. This we hear about uh, the love of many will grow cold Right? In the last days, okay. Lawlessness will increase, love of many will grow cold, and we are asked to endure. Endure what? One of the things you have to endure. Endure discontentment. When all these things happen, we start becoming discontented in our home, in our workplace, with the people around. We start complaining about everything. God says, be very careful. That's the spirit of this age. That is the spirit of this age. You have to endure it. Everywhere you turn around, every call you get, everything you hear is just words of discontentment. Let it not seep into you. You have to endure. Because if discontentment enters into you, everything is over with God. Because how do I enter into God's presence? With thanksgiving in your heart. when you Which discontent person says thank you? Yes, no thanksgiving. No praise. Okay? So there is a huge wall which you built. God didn't. We built ourselves this wall between us and God. Okay? The origin and the birthplace of discontentment is hell. Okay. Okay. That's where it was. It started. Hell in the sense, before hell was actually made, it started with the devil. Hell is a place of eternal discontentment. <laughs> there people are always angry. They never know peace. So, let's stop before we go to hell. We don't have to go to hell. God willing. None of us will go to hell. But before we talk about hell, think for a minute am I dissatisfied? Am I always angry? Am I always restless? Then you are experiencing a piece of hell on earth. Because This is what hell will be like. Only thing, the restrictions of the body is taken off and it will be infinity. Because we need to know what is the climate of hell, right? This is the climate of hell. Malcontents, discontented people, rage, angry, restless. And If you go through this consistently, all you are experiencing on earth is a piece of hell. Okay? So while you are on earth, please don't invest in real estate in hell. Do you know what Jesus said about the nature of hell? Of life in hell, Matthew 8, 12. He's used practically identical words, same words, six times in the same gospel, in different contexts. Same thing. The sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about hell. What is he talking? Weeping. This is not weeping over sin. This is weeping because of frustration. You know how children face, right? When they don't get what they want. Weeping because of frustration. Gnashing of teeth. Why? Of discontentment. Gnashing of teeth. Of discontentment. It's like the old pastor who said, Don't worry if you have no teeth. If you end up in hell and outer darkness, you will be given new ones to gnash. (laughs) What does gnashing of teeth mean? Discontentment. Think about eternal discontentment. Eternal frustration. We always think about hell in terms of fire. (laughs) The fire of discontentment. Forever and ever. There are certain sins which are original to hell. Some I think we improved on it. The devil is also proud of so many people. He says, that is my son. I am well pleased with him. <laughs> <laughs> the first one of course is pride. The second one is rebellion. The Third one is unbelief. They come from hell and they continue in hell forever. Pride. Okay? Look at what Jude says in Jude 116. Can I have NIV? Yeah, that's enough, that's enough. Yes, it's enough. They are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters. Who are the ones who boast? The proud. We're proud. Loud mouth boasters. Pride. Pride causes discontentment. What does pride say? I deserve better than this. I deserve better than this. You know, there was one creature among all creatures God made. His name was Lucifer. Now he's called seven, Satan, the arch enemy of God. He was made perfect perfect in beauty and perfect in wisdom he was given a throne which was above almost every throne cherubim look at isaiah 14 verses 12 to 15 how you have fallen from heaven o lucifer son of morning how you are cut down to the ground you who weaken the nations for you have said in your heart i will ascend into heaven I will exalt my... How did it all start? He was not content with what he had, what he was given. He was not content. See, it began with discontentment, the whole fall of everything. In heaven and on earth, all began with the spirit of discontentment. He has got this exalted throne. He is the most beautiful creation God has ever made. He is the wisest creation God has made, He's got this throne. But when he looks, there is a few other thrones higher than him. God's throne is higher. Jesus' throne is higher. And he says, you know what, I'm not content. Either I want to be higher than or at least equal with them. That's where it begins. If you ask people, is there anything wrong with you? No. Do you have everything you need? Yes. Are you content? No. If you were to ask Lucifer, then do you have everything you need? More than enough. Are you content? No. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the further sides of the north. Where is God's throne? I I also want to go there. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. That was his thing. I want to be like him. And that's the whole problem. Discontentment from the color of skin. White supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. Then why do you go and change your color? I don't understand. Everybody who is dark is going and trying to become fair and dyeing their hair blonde. And you call them racist. You are more racist than them because you are trying to change your color. At least he changes his color only when he is standing in the sun. He gets a sunburn. You are not content with your color because that one is fairer. You are not content with the length of your hair because that one's hair is longer. (laughs) People are not content with anything because they are looking at his throne is higher. The principle is this. His throne is higher. higher. Somebody. Somebody. Higher. Somebody is better than me. Somebody has more than me. That's the issue here. And you know what he did? He came and injected that spirit of discontentment into one third of the angels. And they fell with him. Fell with him. Then he came down to earth and injected that spirit of discontentment into our first father, parents. And what did he say? You know what? You shall be like God. Shall be like God. That same spirit he injected. We need to identify spirits Okay, we need to ask if you are discontent, there should be a holy discontentment. Okay, please. Understand the difference. There's this unholy discontentment and a holy discontentment. You cannot be complacent about these holy things. You should be, you should be a discontent with yourself. I'm not satisfied with my relationship with God. There is definitely more to this than this. Okay, those kind of things. I'm not satisfied with my marriage. There is more than this thing to a marriage because the Bible says they shall become one. They are not two, one. And until that happens, I'm not going to be content. There's more to it. I'm not content with my child. I'm not going to push them, put pressure on them. But when I look into the word of God, there is something about what children are. They are a heritage from heaven. Heritage. And we know in India simply in the world we know when something is documented as world heritage center immediately status changes special funds special police to protect it and all that and God says you know what heavenly heritage this is heavenly monuments okay so there is has to be holy discontent about a lot of things about righteous things about righteousness that we are not talking about that we are talking about these normal discontentment with which people carry. And it's very dangerous because it can. It, that's how fall began. That's how it all started. That's how it all began. Listen to Paul when he writes to Timothy and to the church. In First Timothy 3, it's about how people should be selected to leadership in the church, not a novice. A novice means a fresh young believer. Lest being puffed up with pride... He fall into the same condemnation as the devil. How did the devil get condemned? Because of pride. Pride. Because of pride he was a discontent. He says, no, I am equal to God. Why should my throne be two inches lower? Two inches lower. You know? And we, under- we need to understand the entire world system. The entire world system is based on Use causing discontentment and then sell as products. Sell as products. It's all based on that. Neighbors envy, honest pride. So many things people buy, they don't buy for themselves. They buy it to make the neighbor envious. Sometimes I, my next door neighbor, I wonder whether she cooks to make me envious or not. <laughs> I've never seen anybody cook so much breakfast. And I'm somebody who fasts breakfast. And when I come in the morning, the exhaust is just bringing it right into my nostrils. I said, do you time this? <laughs> do you time this? No? That's why we are called to examine ourselves Go to the root. Pride, discontentment. Do you know? Entire movements are burst in pride and discontentment. That's why you call it gay pride. Black pride month. Brown pride month. Think about it. And we use big swelling words. Isn't that what it says? Big words. Big words to describe it. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain. I don't, because nothing runs without money. So you have to speak these great words, the greatness of gay people, gay pride, and then ask for money, donations. To start a movement. Everything is based on that, no. Everything is based on that. See, it doesn't work otherwise. You have to feed into their pride. So everything is sold with pride and discontentment. Godliness and contentment goes together. Therefore, ungodliness and discontentment go together. (laughs) Heaven is a contented place, a place of contentment. Hell is a place of discontentment. So all we look inside and ask, what am I preparing for? Am I content? Am I content? No? Am I discontent? The Scottish theologian 17th century, I think his name was John Boston. He's the one who said, the devil is the proudest and the most discontent being in the entire universe. And pride and discontentment live under the same roof. You can never find a proud person who is content. It's impossible. Pride and discontentment live under the same roof. The proudest and the most discontented person in the entire universe is the devil. Okay. So God gives us this warning. This is a deadly disease, meaning a disease that leads to death, eternal death. So it's not a small thing. We need to ask ourselves, am I content? Am I happy where I am? Am I content? That's why we are encouraged to labor to enter into that rest and then work. Whatever you are doing, it should start from a spirit of contentment. Spirit of contentment. I'm content with where I am now, and now I am striving for something else. I'm not striving because I'm discontent. I am content. Okay? I am content. That's the difference. When things happen, how we will respond. How we will respond. There's a man, we all know, we heard a thousand times, a man called Job. In one day, he loses everything. He should be discontent. Right? He's not discontent. His answer is the Lord gave. The Lord took, blessed be the name of, you know why? Because His contentment did not come from what He possessed or what He had. His contentment came from God. Okay. Look at another person. Ruth 1, 20 to 21. She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out. Really? And I came, brought me, Lord has brought me home again. No. Now the thing is that, she's contradicting herself. If you went out full, how can you come back home again empty? Can say come back home empty. Meaning when you went you are empty. But you will not accept it. No, not accept it. See, now spirit is very much alive even today. People will look at and you will say, you know what? I was actually better off earlier. Really? Seriously? Were you actually better off now? That's basically what she was saying. I went out full and came back empty. You know who is the problem? God is the problem. Discontent. And therefore miserable. Lord has testified against me. The Lord Almighty has afflicted me. Look at Jude, verse 115. He comes to execute on all these ungodly sinners have spoken harshly against them. The harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. They speak against. That's so what Job's wife, two completely different people under one. One is content, the other is discontent. What is the discontent? Tell the content. Curse God and die. Speak Harsh words against God. Okay, That's why we need to be very careful. It doesn't, unless we go to the root, we will not understand what is happening. We'll sing, saying, Lord, uh, am I also one of this? Am I also one of this? Because like I said, pride is there, discontentment is there, and then it goes into a rebellion. And rebellion can be very subtle. Very, very subtle. It's not overt. It's only overt when you have power. When you don't have power, it's very, very subtle. Look at this portion. Second Samuel chapter 50, verses 1 to 5. Now this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses. Fifty men to run before him. Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision, Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I may judge in the land and everyone who has a suit or cause would come to me. Then I would give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, he would put out his hand, take him and kiss him. Very, You know what he's doing? It's very subtle. First is his pride, because he's better looking than anybody else. He thinks he's better than anybody else. <laughs> we all watch messages on YouTube. In this YouTube message there are these five minute, five second clips, ten minute second these Hollywood Bollywood starts. You look at them and they're vanity. Boy they're vanity. The only thing they have is according to the standards of the world, they look good. They dress badly, they look good. They look as if the clothes they are wearing is from Salvation Army. It's always torn. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have nothing. Nothing. I remember Pastor Carter Collins saying long time ago, you no? Know, NBA starts, you no? Know, basketball starts. They make million dollar contracts and all. Okay? He says, once they are interviewed after the match, he has spoken three words, you know, understand how much his IQ is. And these are the people you follow. These are the people you follow. You follow. Right. The people you follow. And you look at them, and look at their vanity. They have nothing. What does Absalom have? Nothing. Nothing. He's empty. Empty. Pride, discontent. He should be content. Because he killed his brother, he was exiled, and Job intervened, allowed him to king allowed him to come back to the city. He should be very grateful. No, now we're trying to subtly win the hearts of the people. Every word he says is against his father. Actually, yes, 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 yes. against his king, against his king. You see, discontentment, pride, and rebellion. Rebellion is very subtle. Very subtle. Very subtle. Very, we don't even understand how subtle it is. People speak. No? In your office, maybe. I wish. You know, if I was a team leader, I would have done it a different way. I'm so sorry for you. Hmm? Very subtle. It comes deep from pride and discontentment. I'm better than him. I'm better than the team leader. I know that. I'm better than that. And you're very discontent. And you're slowly feeding into it. It can be in a home. It can be in an office. It can be in a church. It can be in a nation. Finally, you know that spirit permeates everything. And discontentment, let me tell you, will start leading into unbelief dangerous steps. Starts leading into unbelief. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, <coughs> verses 1 to 3. Okay? They have seen everything. Look at them. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. And therefore the people, what did they do? They contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? (laughs) The people thirst there for water. And the people complained against Moses. said, Why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? You know their their conversation? It's all conversation of unbelief because of discontentment. Sheer discontentment. You are a set of people who have seen unbelievable miracles. But there's no faith. You know where your faith, lack of faith comes from? Your unbelief comes from? Because you are a discontented people. Discontent people. Look at verse (coughs) 7. So he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not?
1: Okay,
0: Is he here or not? We don't realize sometimes we ask the same questions. If God is there, why did my child die? If God is there, why did I lose my job? If God is there, why did my marriage break? Is he there among us or not? I have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. That's why I said, incredible men like David, when death happened, they worshipped. When loss happened, Job worshipped. They are contented and there is no unbelief at all. They're asking questions. Okay. Discontentment leads to unbelief. And we start contending with God. And God names those places. Okay. Okay. Please remember, don't take these things lightly because. Christ is coming with tens and thousands of His holy ones to judge the ungodly. And what are these ungodly? Murmurous and malcontents. And we thought He's coming to judge all the other. He says no. So most of those guys will flip over, repent, and get through. But these discontented people, it's very difficult to deal with them. Another thing, discontentment does. It steals your life. You know how the devil comes to steal? How does he steal? What does he steal? He steals your life. What is life equal to or earth? It's equal to born 19, died in between his time. How does he steal your life? By stealing your... How do you lose your time? Because you're so discontent. You're forever looking at what could have been. What could have been? We say it is past time, but actually we are passing time. Why are people hooked on movies, videos and all these things? Because they are discontent. And they are just whiling their time away. A contented person has no time for this. Because he knows God has a purpose, I'm happy with God, content with my relationship, and I'm moving forward. But the discontent, a passing time, and wasting life—the devil very subtly comes and steals his life. His life is equal to time. Equal to time, time is lost. Everything is lost. It's gone. You cannot get it back. Years pass away. Okay, it's like the children of Israel. A discontented center of people are wandering round, round, round 40 years, then falling dead. Gone. Time is just gone. If you ask them, what did you do? Nothing. Nothing. No? And what was their major issue? They were discontented with God, though they had everything needed for life. Okay. You brood over the past. You daydream. Just waste time. Or just kill time. We call it, these are Indian words. Killing time. What are you doing? I'm killing time. No, you are killing yourself. But the time is your life. Next thing which discontentment does, it causes you to lose your discernment. See, discernment is a gift. And we need discernment. It causes us to lose our discernment. Look at Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and garlic verse 6. Yeah, 6 also. But now we are tired of this. Now our whole being is dried up. should be happy because you are losing weight. <laughs> there is nothing at all except this mana before our eyes. You know what the problem was? They were discontented with the mana. That's where it started. They were very discontented with the most godly, heavenly food, but it had no taste. Yes. No sugar, no salt. No. <laughs> Oatmeal <milk> is better. <laughs> hmm? Did you see? You see, they're so discontent when actually they have no reason to complain. Now we're five. What happens when you're discontented? You lose your discernment. Okay. We remember the fish which we ate? Really? Ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. You ate freely, huh? You ate freely. I mean, don't blame them. We say the same thing. It was better for me. I remember how I enjoyed life before I became a believer. Life was good, it was LG. After I became believer, life is hard. Don't we say the same thing? That's what they're saying. We ate freely. Huh. You'd find an average Christian and ask him, Macha, tell me is the best time of your life. It will be never connected with God. <laughs> oh, I remember the day I got saved. I remember how this, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the (laughs) days. Telling you the church is full of malcontents. Okay? Malcontents. No. And God looked at them and realized, these guys can't go into the promised land because they will make it like Egypt. Why are certain gospels so easily received by the church? Because they are not selling you heaven. They are selling you Egypt. selling you Egypt. And we receive it. You know why? It feeds our discontentment. We eat freely. We didn't really eat freely in Egypt. The wages of sin was death. Are forgetting that? Number 16, 14. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Okay. Can I go to Thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey. You know how discontent, I mean, God is taking them there. It doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. It doesn't happen at the time we want it to happen. You know what? Discontentment starts coming in. Their entire theology goes out of the window. In the process, you lose your joy, your peace, your health, ultimately your life. All you add to it is your grief. Okay. Add to it is your grief.
1: All you add to your life is
0: grief. So we have to be very careful about this. Okay. The issue may be legitimate. But that's not what we are talking about. We are talking about the state of your mind, of your heart, state of your mind. Are you content now? Because if you are not content with what you have, you are not going to be content if you get what you do not have. It's as simple as that, you know. So there can be legitimate issues, but we must be very careful. Rachel had no children. Okay. Lack of anything that is legitimate is a cause for grief. Okay. If you are not married and you want to get married, it's a legitimate thing. So God is the one who instituted marriage. Okay. If you are married, you don't have a child. It's a legitimate thing. Okay. Man, God said, if you do not work, do not eat. So if you don't have a job, it's a legitimate thing. All these things are legitimate. There are a lot of things which are legitimate. But the issue is not that. Look at Genesis 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore no Jacob, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I What she's saying, I cannot live without it. That is our problem. Okay. Can be anything. Give me a husband or I will die. Give me a job or kill me. Suddenly your contentment is tied with that thing. That's the problem. Give me children or I die. Meaning I cannot live without it then it becomes a trap she envied her sister remember envy is coming there and she's saying I cannot love without it Hannah was caught in the same trap because she had a co-sister husband had two wives who was giving children like rabbit well she had none and she was mocking her all the time And she kept on going to Shiloh and crying. God refused to answer. But one day she got it right. One one day she got it right. What did she say? You give me a child, I'll give it back to you. Which woman whose barren, never had a child and was so discontent, if you have a child, will give it to somebody? Meaning saying, now I am content. I am content. You give me a child, I give the child to you. And God said, answer. Your need was legit. But your response was always wrong. It was coming from a heart of discontentment. A malcontent heart. But i got a great purpose for you going to birth a prophet. And that prophet cannot come from that heart. That heart. That prophet has to be birthed in an atmosphere of contentment. Now you're content. You're content in me. Lord, give me a son and I promise you the razor shall never touch his head. And I will devote him to you all the days of his life. God said, answer. So there are a lot of our issues in life which are very legit. They're legit. God says it's not legitimate. It's not illegitimate. It's legitimate. But it says the atmosphere in which you are living, I cannot birth it. I cannot birth that is something that is godly, that is holy, that is divine, that is from God in an atmosphere of discontentment. Because if I give it to you, you still will not be content. First you need to be content in me. Then I can give you anything that will not destroy you. will not destroy you. You will never release your children for me. You will never leave your job if I call you. You will never surrender your husband on the altar for me. You will hold on to it because you know, You are a discontented person. You need to understand. That is how it works. So God is not against giving us good things because every good and perfect thing comes from above. But he's created us in a way that it doesn't matter what we get. If we don't find our contentment in God, we'll be always discontented. That's our problem. He wants to give us much more than we have. But he says, can you come? Be content with me first. So they can hand it over you. So that what you have, whether it is a thing or a person, you do not destroy yourself with that. That's what he's saying. And that's what Rachel goes wrong. Give me children or else. You know what? God gave her children and she died. <coughs> gave her two children. And the birth of the second one, she She died in grief, died in sorrow, and named her son, son of my sorrow. That's her exit. You know why? Because she was a discontented person. Unlike Hannah, she could have been happy. You know what? I am barren, but my husband is not. You know what? My sister is bearing children for her. I am happy. No, I'm not happy. She envied her sister. And was discontented at the blessing of somebody else when looking at it. You know what? Even if it's my sister's children, it's my children because it's my husband's children. I'm very happy for you, my sister. You know what? I know Jacob loves me. I know I am better looking than me. I know all the pursuiters refused you. You know what? I'm so happy. At least you have children. I'm happy for you. Nothing. Nothing. You see, the discontented people... Are not able to be happy when others get blessed, because the spirit of envy, the spirit of discontentment, the spirit of pride—they all come together. You know, they all—they are all almost kind of birthed together. When he looked in the mirror, Lucifer was very proud. Boy, I really look better than all the others. And when he talked to others, he said, "Boy, you're a wise angel. His wisdom, his beauty." then you look, God's throne is a little higher in vain. Discontent. And he's not pleased anymore. He's not happy anymore. Happy anymore. These things come. And this is where vanity comes. And we have to be very, very careful. If you know how vain you are, just spend. look at the amount of time you spend before a mirror. I'm sure Lucifer spent a lot of time before the mirror. Just look at. We have to be very careful about these things because that's how it all started. And so many pursuits in life into which people throw their life, their energy, their money are pursuits of vanity. That is what the entire book of Ecclesiastic is. He can say at the end of his life, vanity, vanity, but the nation paid for it. And the nation was destroyed because of his projects of vanity. And we don't realize that Solomon is there. The spirit of Solomon still continues. We also throw our life, our energy, our money into projects of vanity, but we won't acknowledge like him, it is vanity. His family went, his nation went, everything done. What is he talking about? Projects projects. And political leaders down to small house leaders have projects of vanity. But it all comes from discontented souls. If you are contented, you don't need projects. You just serve God. You serve God. And you are very happy. The Pharisees to, out of envy, to cause envy, came and told John the Baptist, you know what, the one you pointed, the crowds are all following him. Everybody is with him. He said, that's good. <laughs> that's good. A man should not receive anything other than what God, except what God gives. He should increase and I should. And my joy is the joy of the bridegroom's friend. These days in weddings, there are no bridegroom's friends. Everybody looks like a bridegroom. If they were not given a special seat on the dais when they come down, you wouldn't know who is the bridegroom and the bride. Everyone looks like a bride and the bridegroom in Indian wedding. Sometimes better than them. Chamuk, 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 everybody. Make an announcement in the church. I have the joy of announcing a marriage has been arranged between and it is for June the 30th. The first thing everybody is thinking, I need to buy an outfit. Vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. Hannah came to that point. She also was caught in the same, but when she came to that point where she's content in God, God touched her womb. You see, you should read first Samuel chapter two. Hannah's song. Ten verses. Hannah's song, Hannah's prayer, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I'll just give you one verse, the last verse. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. We ask you this question. You read that ten words of this, not one single line about the child. All about God. All about God. I mean you after waiting so long you get a child, you will write any, about one hymn, one sonnet about the child. God has given me a child. It's like the, the Malu guy who wrote about the coconut. Right? Because the, he studied about the coconut tree. The essay was asked, write ten lines about the cow. He didn't know anything about the cow. He only knew the coconut tree. So he, there was a cow. It was tied to the coconut tree. And then he wrote the nine lines about the coconut tree. In the same way, we will also write about I am giving glorifying God. Lord, the mighty, almighty God of Israel who has given birth to a son through me and then she will write nine lines about the son. He is gory, he is pink, his hair is long, his eye is blue. Everything is about the son, right? Because <laughs> that was your idea. But nothing. Ten lines, everything about God. You know why? She has found containment. She has found Contentment in God. She's is no longer a discontented wife. Conflict has stopped in her soul. Because she did not find a contentment in Samuel, she found contentment in the God of Samuel. That's why godliness with contentment is great gain. Put the other way, ungodliness with discontentment is great loss. Eternal loss. So we need to ask ourselves, why is there so much discontentment among believers? You know why? Because we've been sold wrong doctrines. So how do I become content? Now we need a solution. We'll look at it in detail in maybe some other week. How do I get... The, first we need to have a real sober estimate about ourselves. Don't inflate your resume. <laughs> Sober estimate. It's like, when I used to teach, I used to ask my students, I know this fellow is what's your rank? Second sir, you second, yeah, from the behind sir, I'm second. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere I'm second, okay. <laughs> Okay. Don't inflate your resume. Have a very honest opinion about who we are so that we'll be content. Romans 3.23 and 6.33. Romans 3.23 and 6.33. I didn't give it to you? <laughs> oh, 6.23. No, 33, 23. 3.23 and 6.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Wages of sin is? The gift of God is? Are you saved? Do you deserve it? No. Be content. Do you know your real state? You should be in hell. You know what I deserve? You deserve? Eternal destruction. You know what we got? Eternal life. You know what? You didn't work for it. You can't do it. It's a gift. It's free. Why are you complaining about a gift? complaining about a gift that's an eternal gift first have a realistic look at your own resume who am I? sinner what is the wages of sin? death that has never changed so where am I destined to? death destruction, hell what did I receive? a free gift of life, are you content? what are you complaining about? what are you complaining about? are you content? First, we need to have a very, very realistic picture. Christians, because I deserve, I deserve better. God says, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's usually come. I deserve better. That's the discontented spirit. What did you deserve? Is there a be- you deserved hell. That's what we deserved. Second thing, to be very very clear about contentment and discontentment. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 Godliness with contentment is a great gain. We brought nothing into this world. Second, truth, eye opener. The earth and the fullness belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. When we came, we brought nothing. Nothing. It's an eye opener. No, my father has property. He brought nothing. No, my grandfather was a zamindar. He brought nothing. No, great-grandfather, he brought nothing. You can go all the way to Adam. He also brought nothing. You can't go beyond that. It's an eye-opener. What does it mean? Let's put it in terms which you understand. We are all born beggars. If you want to put a degree, S. James B.B., born beggar, Not B.A.M.A. and all, born beggar, born with nothing. <laughs> we want D.D. and all that, <laughs> doctorate in divinity. God says, "Wait a second, your actual degree is born beggar." Sober[s] you up. This is scripture, and this is true. We brought nothing into this world. That's a man who is content when he loses everything. I brought nothing and I can take nothing. God gave everything. God took away everything. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know why? he is? Because his doctrine is correct. Because your doctrine matters. To live in this world of malcontents, if your doctrine is right, when loss takes place, destruction takes place, death takes place, you can still be content in any and every situation. That is what Paul says, I learned. I learned. I learned. Realistic evaluation. I am a sinner. Wages of sin is death. I received a free gift of life. The price was paid. Unbelievable price paid by somebody else. I am content. Eternally content. Even if you do not do one more thing for me. Even if I do not get one more thing in life. You know what? I have eternal security. and I am content. Because this life is temporary, this is passing away. I know where I am going, so I am content. I am content. Second thing, I know when I was born, I came with nothing. Sobering. We are born as so. Next to your name, add what? BB, born beggars. And then when you became born again. Born as to be a co-heir with Christ. Are you not content? Co-heir with whom? Prince of Heaven. You are born again. So you should be content. Okay. Next eye opener. We brought nothing into this world. And second one, third one. It is certain we can carry nothing out. So what? (laughs) Have you ever seen a dead man carry anything? He has to be carried. He has to be carried. Okay. Have mercy on the bearers, Lose weight. We didn't get it. You know what a ball-bearer is the one who carries the coffee the dead body. Have mercy on them. Lose weight. One of the lessons of COVID. Think about others. You, know? you brought Nothing. You take nothing. What does it mean? So another degree you are. At. DB born beggar. Then DB died beggar. So you have two titles now. Another degrees. BB and DB. Born beggar, died a beggar. Could take nothing. It's an eye opener. So God says, what are you discontented uh-huh. about? You're born with nothing. You can take nothing, but if you are my child, I have reserved everything for you. should die content, live content. No, think about it. That's why it says, having food and rain, let us be there for, be convinced. Yeah, can can use NKJV. If you have food and rain, food and clothes, let us be content. The very sobering thought. We brought nothing, we took nothing, everything belongs to God. And He freely shares it with His children. And God says, we watch. Paul's doctrine, which we got in. 1 Timothy 6.5 Useless wranglings of men, this is the verse just before it, right? Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. What does that mean? Theologically, what does it mean? It means, if you are godly, you should be rich. That's a prosperity gospel. If you are a child of God, you should be rich. The more godly you become, more rich you will become. So your, your godliness, which is something spiritual, is measured by your riches. And they have sold it that godliness is a means of gain. And people buy it. So you know what? People in the church are not discontented about their godliness, they're discontented about their riches. So if you are not rich, you're a sinner. If I am rich, look at me, my estate. That's a Loverish in church. I'm a saint. Look at what I own. Our financial status is not a reflection of our godliness. Okay, But our contentment is. Two people died on the same day. One's name was Lazarus. The other one's name we do not know. The other one was a rich man dressed in purple, feasted in Delicacies. But he has no name. No name is given. Because he went to hell. In hell, there are no names. Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. In heaven, everybody has a name. In hell, everybody has no name. Okay. So if this theory was this theology was right, the rich man should have gone to heaven. Lazarus should have gone too. But Lazarus was had swords from head to foot. The dogs were his companion, hoped for some scraps from the rich man's table. But you know what? He was content. He was content. Because heaven is a place full of contented people. Okay? That's why Paul is countering this argument by saying, Godliness is not a main of means of gain. On the other hand, Godliness with contentment is a great thing. Benjamin Franklin who said, contentment makes the poor man rich and discontentment makes the rich man poor. Lazarus was a rich man. The rich man was a poor man. The difference was his state of mind. Difference was his state of mind. I've said this story. <clears throat> there was a king who fell ill long time ago. long, long time ago. He was very ill. The story. So they call all the wisest men, the, the healers, and then one wise man came and said, you know, you have a malady which is of the soul. <clears throat> the only way you will be healed is you need to wear the shirt of a happy man and sleep for a day. You will be well. So suddenly soldiers, everybody is being sent all across the country to find the happy man and get his shirt. Every house they go, everybody is discontent. They are panicking. Everywhere they go, only discontented people. Finally, one group of soldiers are going through the forest and they can hear a man singing. And they can hear the sound of chopping wood. So they see a woodcutter and he is chopping and singing. They said, hey, you look to be happy. Are you happy? He said, I am happy. Are you contented? He says, I am very content. What are you, woodcutter? He said, can you please give your shirt? The king needs. He said, I don't have a shirt. don't have a shirt. That's why Jesus said, life does not consent in the abundance of things. Life consists, let me put another verse there which is not there. Life consists in the abundance of a person called Jesus Christ. There's only one way to contentment. Okay. One way to contentment, it is Christ. Like I said, the lockdown, the second wave of the pandemic and the economic downturn, all these were eye-openers. All were eye-openers. Mm. question is, God, it's not the world's eyes cannot be opened. Our eyes should be opened. Are you content? Are you content with what you have? I always tell when I talk, it's very difficult to preach to pastors. It's easier to preach to congregation. When I tell the pastors, I said, Old Covenant was a physical promise, material promise. They are not being promised anything eternal. So they said you will be given a land. That is promised land which you cannot sell. You will give land which you did not own. You will have houses you did not build. Cattle, flocks, gold, silver, wells you did not dug. It is all that. Let me, I ask them. In the new covenant, does God even promise you an apartment? So if you live on rent, it is fine because you have a mansion in heaven which is your own name, already registered in your name. You don't have to worry. You don't have to bribe the... What do you call that fellow? Register also. (laughs) Who will not upload your form until you give him his money. You don't have to worry about it. It's already registered. Whether you know it or not, your house is already registered in your name. You have one here, thank you Lord. If you don't have one here, thank you Lord. Because already know. You see, you have to get your doctrine right. Your doctrine right. Otherwise we'll be malcontents and discontents here. Okay. There's no marriage in heaven. Oh nobody wants to marry me. My biological clock is ticking, ticking, it's going faster now. Across thirty five. There's no marriage in heaven. What is your problem? But Lord, I wanted to marry well. You want to marry? Are you discontent? Kind of. Do you want to be content? Yes. Okay. You can marry me. You, Lord? Yes. Didn't you know there's a wedding feast in heaven? Did you know there's a wedding in heaven? I didn't think about that, Lord. Yes, think. Keep your mind on things that are above. Lord, when I look in the mirror, I don't like my looks. You don't? I was disfigured beyond recognition for you. There was no form or comeliness in him that we could desire him. For your sake. You know, Lord. Absolutely content with my looks. Absolutely content with my looks. You know. That's the power of the gospel. You have to look into the word, the truth will set you free. And we'll be able to live a content life in the midst of a discontented population. We'll be able to thank God, Lord. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my children. I thank you for what you have given me. And I thank you what you haven't given me because I know you did not give it to me because you know me better than me that I would have destroyed myself with it. So hallelujah, Lord. So I always say, Lord, thank you, Lord. I cannot drive a four-wheeler. Maybe I would have knocked somebody off. (laughs) 1992 to 2001, I'm going to celebrate next year, 30 years of driving a two-wheeler without an accident. And I tried Akilah's hired cycle last week and I stumbled. I cannot ride a cycle till today. Till today I cannot ride a cycle because I cannot balance. But I have driven a two-wheeler by faith for 30 years without an accident. That's why God has not given me a four-wheeler to drive. So you can thank God for many things. See, you have to ultimately come and look at the good. Like I said, I'm trying to draw you beyond the word, not beyond in that sense, but to the person of God in the word. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. What a words? No, 13.5, 13.5, 13.5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Why? How can I be content with what I have? Because for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, centuries ago, C.H. Spurgeon preached on these words. And do you know what the title of that message was? Never, 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 never. That's the title of that message. I will never leave you. Never forsake you. That's why I'm content. That's why you should be content. That's why we should be content. You cannot get something greater than this. This is God himself. God himself. I will never. Who is saying this? The Trinity is saying this. What are they saying? The Father says, I will never leave you. Your eldest brother says, I will never leave you. The Holy Spirit says, you are my home. That's what I said. If you are not content with God, it doesn't matter what you become and what you have. You will be discontent. And that is the entire message of the book of Ecclesiastes. He turned away from God. He went away from God. He pursued everything. The God who blessed him in the beginning continued blessing him until he achieved all his target and became an empty man because he realized without God, nothing makes any meaning. Meaningless meaningless, meaningless, and comes back at the end and says, only one thing matters, it is God. Only one thing matters, it is God. The key to containment is God. And this is his incredible promise. I will never leave you, never forsake you. And that is what Paul is talking about. I learned. I learned. It didn't come overnight. I learned. When I was beaten in Philippi, I learned his presence. When I was adrift in the ocean, he sent an angel. I learned and I realized I couldn't get into any situation, any dire situation in my life. And I found he is there with me. He's there with me. He is there with me. No, I will never leave you. No, forsake. And therefore, verse 6, have you looked? It is out of that assurance, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I will not fear. See, one follows the other. We have this promise, and it's a promise, made by God. It's a real promise. So it does not matter. Okay? If you're in an isolation ward, in the COVID ward, and nobody of your relatives, not even a pastor, is allowed to come in and pray. But they can stop Jesus. No, is he there with you? Yes, because this is—I will never forsake. This is Gideon theology. God, God has delivered us and forsaken. God says, "No, I haven't forsaken you. I've never forsaken my children. You have forsaken me, but I have never forsaken my children." Gideon, that's where you are wrong. God doesn't forsake his children. He may deliver for a season for punishment and all, but even when you're being disciplined, he's right there watching. It's like the story I told about the Red Indian tribe. When a young boy matures and becomes a warrior, he has to go through a ceremony. That is, right in the middle of the jungle, he has to sit through the night with his eyes tied. Sit. And all he can hear is the sound of the animals and the wolves and everything without showing any fear. He has to sit through the night. When daylight breaks and when thing is taken off, he realizes all the while his father was standing behind him. Mm. That's what God is saying. When we are walking by faith, we see nothing but all the time our father is walking with us. So the Bible is talking about. Therefore, we can say without fear boldly the Lord is with me. The answer to discontentment is not more things, better jobs, bigger houses, more money. This is not none of these things will satisfy. The answer to discontentment is God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is with us. And he understands. Paul learned how to be in a state of contentment, whatever situation. Let's quickly go through Philippians 4, 6 and 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God. He says, Be anxious for nothing. Why? Because God is with you. Okay? Everything, whatever it is, small things. Children, small, little children, when they are small, should be taught to pray for small things. They should be taught to pray for things. They'll not forget those lessons. They may wander and all lessons are not forgotten. The things which I told my children. Who do you ask first? Me or God? Who do you ask first? Me or God? Could you ask God? Ask God. Then ask me. Hungry or this thing? Just when they were small, when they came to and asked me something, I said, come, let us ask God first. Why? Because one day they will leave me and go. And they still need to realize it, it was dad who answered, or oh, it was God who answered. And God must have may have answered through dad. Now dad is gone away, but God is still there god is still there and they would get excited it's small yes excited when they see um, prayers being answered right be anxious for nothing during covid times the third wave or fourth wave may come fifth wave may come don't worry we may be one set of people who is not vaccinated we don't worry why god is there and what does he do Peace of God guards our heart. God's our heart. Mind through Christ Jesus. So He's telling us steps. These are things which we have to learn to do. What happens when you do this? Contentment comes in. Contentment comes in. We pray, we make our supplication, we give thanks, and God says, You know what? You trusted me. Even if nothing changes outside, inside things are changing. We are still. We are still. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer needs. And What did he learn? He says, I learned something. If God is with me, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's an interesting statement he's making. He says, when I'm hungry, God is able to work through me. When I'm full, God is able to work through me. When I have much money, God is able to work through me. When I have no money, God is able to work through me. God is not restricted by my situations. If I'm right, is it 4.22? Philippians 4.22? Just came into my mind. What does 142 say? 19? Yeah, exactly. 14. Look at what he's talking about here. You know what he's talking? He's saying, you know what? You think I'm a failure, right? I've got a church in Caesar's Palace mm. working without him knowing. You see my chains. You are not able to see what God is able to do through somebody who is content in him. We got a church right there in Rome, in Caesar's palace, there are believers. History says Caesar's wife was a believer. Though Nero was a madman. You know why? Because of this man, called Apostle Paul. Caesar's household. All the saints greet you, especially those who are of Caesar's household. Think about this man's influence. It's a man lying in a dungeon in chains. And he's saying greetings to you from Caesar's household. What are you waiting for to meet Caesar? And I go to church in Caesar's household. He doesn't know. When he says I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, he knows what he's talking about. When I'm abased, I'm good. When I'm full, I am good. Because I understood the promise. I will never leave you. Never forsake you. Therefore, boldly I can say, whom shall I What can man do to me? So contentment is not a small thing. And discontentment is a terrible thing. So this morning we shall pray. We have to move from a state of discontentment to a state of contentment. It is found in Christ Jesus. Honestly, you turn to Christ Jesus and you start thanking God consistently. Whatever issues you have in your marriage, in your home, in your workplace, whatever it is. Take it to God. You will see first thing will happen is peace will start taking over. Peace will start taking over. Second thing, you will start being content. If you are a discontented wife, you will start being content about the husband God has given you. If you're a discontented husband, you start becoming contented by, you look at your children, they seem to be going nowhere, but God will start giving you contentment about everything. Because you start actually seeing, God is the source. As the Bible says, every good and perfect thing comes from above. Now we don't like the idea thing as a wife, but the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Because that thing came from heaven. The child came from heaven. State of contentment. You know? So the procedure is given over there. So you can be grateful when you have nothing. You can be grateful when you have everything. State of contentment. Why? Your contentment is tied to a person called God. And God has said something. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Therefore let your life, let your conversation without covetousness. Covetousness comes from? Covetousness causes discontentment. I want to lift my throne at least to your level. He started coveting. Discontentment. Pride. Rebellion. Fall. Couchous. You don't. You'll be very, very happy. Very, very, very happy. You have to fight this. because One of the fundamental issues within the church, especially while ministering, ministering in the church okay, in the church or any of this thing is that first thing is that what is there in it for me when will I be recognized now, let me put it I'm not talking this thing about anybody I'm just saying that there's only two people who preach from here me and Pastor vijay remember we may have only 25 people here but we have churches all around the world listening a simple question is you may have only a small Bible study be content with that content with that maybe you are only mentoring one person be content with that content with that okay maybe you are just encouraging somebody in the office be content with that okay maybe god has given me only 25 people i am content with that you have to be learned to be content don't get discontented because if you just dis- get discontented and you start howling, God may give you what you asked for. And it will come out of your nostrils. They disliked the manna, asked for meat, and then it was coming out and they were dying. Lord, I also want to preach. Why don't Pastor James call me to preach one day and suddenly God speaks to me and says, You know what? Call that guy. Lord, really? Yeah. You call and he comes here. He's a total disaster. You have to be careful. You know, there was a guy, a servant like that in a palace. He went to the king and said, Oh, your life is very good, this thing and all. You are a king. You have all the power. All you do is sit there on the throne. You eat and all these people come and dance and sing and all that. What a life I wish. The king said, Okay, one thing. You be king for one day. He said, Yes. He was very happy. Morning, the king ordered, this is the king for one day. They crowned him, put him on the throne. He's having gala time. He had a blast. Night king told him, you can only sleep in my bed. You cannot sleep in the king's bed. All day. He said, I want to sleep on that bed. He went to lie. He looked up. There is a sharp sword over there hanging on a hair. Poor fellow couldn't sleep through the night. He was thought this would fall. Morning, he said, I don't want to be king. <laughs> I want to sleep. So the king told him, "Do you know what a kingship is?" An easy lies the head, that where's the crown? You think it is fun? He's, it's responsibility. Can you handle the burden? Can you handle the burden? He said, "No, I'm content being a servant. Content being a servant. We need to understand. We see this glamour <laughs> behind the real any job." There is no glamour. Look at Prime Minister Modi. His beard is growing longer and longer and longer. We look at the glamour. Poor man has no sleep. Covid is spreading across the country. Everybody is starting to curse him. He doesn't know what to do. Do you want to be Prime Minister now? Anybody? If they did not control the press so hard, you would have heard what the people are actually saying. Nobody is happy in high positions. The only ones who are happy in high positions are those who are content in God and God has put them there. They are fine. Because they know the Lord put me there. The Lord will take me out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Nobody else. So you have to be very, very careful to learn to be content in your office place. I want to be manager. Really? The simple thing is that Go home today, check your room. Can you manage your room? Can you find one pair of socks which is of the same color? <laughs> <laughs> be content. Simple moral of the story. Be content. Be content in the. No? God will exalt everyone in his time. And even if you are not exalted in this life, if you walked in contentment and fulfilled the purpose of God, the day of exaltation is coming. This is temporary. That is for eternity. Let me ask you this question. Ayodhya temple is being built? Built? Where is Advani? Is he alive? Yes. Where is Advani? Did they call him? Didn't he give his life to build a temple? Why are you? You can't even get up from your bed. This life is temporary. You fought for something, somebody took the glory. But you live for Christ here, nobody will take your glory. It will be yours. That's what the Bible says. This life is temporary. If you're dissatisfied, be dissatisfied about eternal things. But I'm not satisfied with my prayer life. I am not satisfied with my walk with you. I am not Lord. I am not satisfied with my word life. I want to know you. There's One thing, Paul was not satisfied. Forgetting the things that are behind. I press. Not that I have achieved. Not that I have achieved. I am pressing on. I am pressing on. I want to know him. Rest be satisfied. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord. In this world full of discontented people. And church too. We are not better than the world most of the time. We are discontented. The malcontents are. They are full in the church. But in the midst of it, you come and tell us, I will never leave you and forsake you. Therefore, let your life be without covetousness. Be content with what you have. Because Lord, if I am not content with what I have, I will not be content with what you gave me. You cannot give me more. Because I am not content anyway. My life will be a life of discontentment. Guard our heart, O Lord. Because it's a sin that leads to hell itself. Because hell is full of discontented people. Full. And heaven will be full of contented people. Because in heaven they are not looking at what they have. at heaven they are looking at who they have. For the Lamb, the city, and the Father dwells among them. Your wives have every tear every sorrow, every pain. And he's not ashamed to call us his sons and his daughter. The father is not ashamed to call us his sons. The son is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. The spirit is not ashamed to call us his home. That's where our contentment comes from. Help us to see life as it really is and not what is sold to us by the media and the advertising firms and the Hollywood. Help us to see what life really is. So that we will be a contented people. Then when the darkness covers the earth, light will shine upon us. They will ask us, why are you so content? What is the reason for your hope? And we will be able to say, Because I have Jesus. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So we should be people who are different outside. If our dear ones go to hospital, we will not be downcast. We will not be in despair. They may say, you cannot go into that ward. It is sealed. We'll be able to say, it's okay. My God will go with them. But he has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why the old covenant is full of testimonies. A God who walks in the fire with his people. A God who goes into the lion's den with his servant. A God who goes into slavery with Joseph. A God who goes into prison with Joseph. Because God made a promise. I will never, 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 never Leave you. Whether we realize it or not, he has always kept that promise. Only one man, one man was forsaken by God when he was living. It was his son. Therefore he cried out, My Father, my God, why have you forsaken me? No man when he is living can say, God has forsaken him, for God has not forsaken anybody. Therefore, we are content, O oh Lord, with what we have. And we are content we are your children. We are content we have a eternal inheritance. We have a home. Not a house. We are not happy about we are not proud about the house. We are proud about the home. We have a home in heaven where God is our Father. Therefore, we are content. I come against that spirit of discontentment in the body of Christ. I bind it in the name of Jesus. I command it to leave in Jesus name. And I pray the spirit of gratitude and the spirit of thanksgiving will come into the house of God and people will just thank God for what God has given them. And they will be able to enter his courts with praise. And his courts, gates with praise. And his courts with thanksgiving. Oh, Father, give us that spirit which David had. Give us that spirit which Paul had, Lord. That same spirit. Help us to manifest that spirit, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We just thank you, Lord. You brought us through another month. Next time we come, we'll be in the fifth month. All we can say is that it was freely given. We deserved nothing. You gave us everything. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We just thank you. When we are content in you, then we will be able to have the spirit of discernment. We will be able to see things as they are. Hear from you what is our purpose in life. What do you want to do? Help us to have open ears. Open ears to hear. Thank you, thank you, Father. I bless your people here and everywhere in your name. The hand of God rest upon everyone. The hand of healing, the hand of deliverance, the hand of power, the hand of might be upon everyone, everywhere, O Lord. Let people sit up in their sick beds. Let people pick up their mats and they walk. Let them walk in rest and walk in contentment, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, and amen, amen.